0: sāvaṃ arahato sammā sambuddhasā namo tassa bhagavatō arahato sammā sambuddhasā namo tassa bhagavatō arahato sammā sambuddhasā Today, I'm going to talk about arousing and balancing the five spiritual faculties. It's said that um, in Buddhism it may not have God, but it has list. So here, here we go. <laughs> you have the list already. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> So it's easy to remember five spiritual faculties. Why are there so many lists? The teaching was passed from generation to generation uh, through oral transmission, so it was easy to remember. Hmm? Easy to remember five of these, three of these, four, eight, But when you look at it, it's actually all connected. It's all connected. You can see even some of the mental states repeating each other. Like Now I'm going to talk about faith, sadha, then virya, energy, talk about sati, which is mindfulness, then uh, concentration, samadhi, and then panya, wisdom. So you find out In your list, it's repeating many, many times. So that's the good news. All right. Now, at this point, some of us understand that this practice takes time, takes energy. Is it familiar to you now? (laughs) In other words, we are not microwaving our <laughs> practice. <laughs> that machine was amazing for me the first time I saw a microwave. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I grew up in Uganda. I used to visit my grandmother, hmm? and it was deep in a village. Preparing a cup of tea used to take a good 45 minutes. You have to go and fetch water down the hill, and the jerry can, very heavy. Then you have to start fire, and then you you don't have a matchbox, and then you have to go to your neighbor and get some kind of piece of uh, amber and then it start fire and then it stops and then it keeps on going the fire keep, it keeps on going and stopping i'm telling you when i came to usa and uh, i see my grave here and, uh, and you put there and press a button within 1 minute you have a cup of tea i say, wow that's amazing so but this is all good news for our comfort our comfort, eh? preparing food, washing our clothes. Uh even the washing machine actually is amazing. In Uganda I used to wash like this. <laughs> it took it took like forty-five minutes, one hour to wash it. a lot of clothes, you know. Here you just forty five minutes and put in a dryer. I remember very well you put in a dryer and then you, within one hour you are all set. Not in Uganda, where I grew up at least in a, sometime in a village. I used to go in a village, then you have to dry them, you wash them. Takes 30 minutes, 45 minutes and then it takes almost a whole day or half a day to dry. Depends on whether it's a rain season or not. In a deep village in Uganda, it was like this. So when I came to USA in '99, I was amazing how it's so easy to wash your clothes. Hmm? So this is all good news. But the problem, uh, we use the same mentality to practice meditation. Hmm? We come here, it's a three-month retreat or six weeks. We think that we are going to put our practice in a washing machine. And get all the results, eh? (laughs) Maybe washing machine is okay, but microwave, I'm telling you within one minute. We are not here to do that. We are here actually to see how our practice unfolds organically. Hmm? Organically, you know. And it's amazing to watch the process, you know. So that's why I like the Pali word, which is called mentor. Development, English word is mental development. The Pali word is Bhavana. Bhavana, mental cultivation, mental development. You no, know? so you can see it's a process that unfolds slowly by slowly. So today, I'm, uh, I will talk about, of course, the five spiritual faculties. Uh picking up from where I stopped last time when I was talking about the four ways of progress, and uh, just to remind you in case you forgot, I talked about, uh, this is the Buddha's words, uh, the four ways of progress. Pa- one was painful uh, process and slow con- uh, comprehension. Second one was painful progress and dull comprehension and then the third was uh, pleasant progress and slow comprehension and then the fourth one is pleasant progress and quick comprehension so that's where uh, i stopped last time and i talked about uh, even when we have painful uh, uh, progress uh, it doesn't have to be that way we can actually uh, deal with difficult emotions, greed, hatred. I talked about this last time. Now I would like to talk about how, let's say if we are experiencing a a slow comprehension because of maybe dull um, five speech faculties, how can we arouse them? How can we balance them? Uh, So that it's a little bit, uh, not microwaved, but (laughs) a little bit faster. Being, not being stagnant. By the way, having said that in Uganda it's, uh, uh, I was preparing a cup of tea for, for over 30 minutes, it's not the case now. We have microwaves now. <laughs> Just you, you may not want to say, I don't want to come to Uganda and prepare a cup for 30 minutes. <laughs> no, no. It's no longer the case. That was back in the 1980s, you know so now it's okay you are fine you come to the temple you will have a, <laughs> a, a, a cup of tea very quick let's say <laughs> but when we come to to practice it's not going to be the case you come to temple or to the temple and the meditation hall we have to leave the practice uh, to unfold slowly by slowly all right so now These five spiritual faculties, the word is Indriya, Indriya in Pali, uh, which means lordship, mm, control over a certain sphere, a certain sphere, right? It's like a king, they have a kingdom, mm, they take control over that area. But uh, some people translate it spiritual faculties, but... Controlling faculties seem to be more direct translation, but I understand it. So we have five spiritual faculties sometimes. Also, there's another set which is called spiritual powers. There's a little bit difference due to function. Spiritual powers usually, uh, it's the same set, but uh, what powers do is to oppose the... uh, uh, the the mental state like let's say doubt when you have doubt and the uh, you have faith that really drowns your doubt so then it becomes a power because it's is it this this spiritual faculty is able to to drown doubt so the list goes on so now these five spiritual faculties starting with faith and confidence. It's amazing how the Buddha bunched them together with other spiritual faculties. It was not a mistake. It's because actually they are related in many ways in a causal relationship. So you can even define faith as, this is a working definition, faith is energy It's confidence Plus energy plus mindfulness plus plus concentration plus wisdom to keep it simple (laughs) So because you can get lost in the definition, but actually when you look at it uh, The Buddha bunched always this teaching together so that they have a relationship. Otherwise you pull out other factors and let, uh, let's say you pull out energy, uh, even especially wisdom and the concentration, you, you pull out those other four factors, then faith, according to Buddhism, it's, uh, it defeats its purpose, because you don't have wisdom, you don't have mindfulness, you don't have effort. So it's, there's a reason why these spiritual faculties are together. Even in other teachings, there's a reason why compassion and uh, appreciative joy and equanimity come together with meta-loving kindness. So try always to connect other than pulling out, pick and choose. If you pick and choose, you'll be in trouble. (laughs) Yes, because then let's say faith is going to be blind faith. Mm? It is not going to be backed up with wisdom and understanding. So we have faith and confidence. Do you have faith and confidence? Do you? In your practice? <laughs> eh? sometimes in the beginning, of course, it's faith that it brought us here. Otherwise, you will not be here. But as we begin our practice here, sometimes we start to lose faith and doubt comes, which is the opposite of faith. Doubt about B- the Buddha's teaching. Doubt about the teachers. Doubt about your own practice. Instructions: Should I observe the breath here or rise and and the abdomen? I have restlessness. Maybe they say you may have restlessness, and then. You doubt whether you'll you'll ever overcome restlessness. You think, it's going to be here for the rest of my life. That's what I thought. One time in 2000, I was in San Jose practicing with my teacher for 10 days, uh, San Jose, California. I don't know where restlessness came from. I went to him and said, you know, can you help me to overcome restlessness? He just smiled at me. You can overcome restlessness when you attain fourth level of enlightenment. <laughs> and I didn't know. I thought he will fix it. He's such a great teacher. <laughs> He's going to fix it. Maybe some of you, maybe you come to the interview. and say, let me go to Bante. He will fix my... <laughs> Maybe, you see when you're getting ready for the interview, (laughs) you say, let me go and tell my teacher. They'll fix it. (laughs) You know for yourself. I had sloth on top one time. It was at the forest refuge. In 2003, there was a monk called Sado Ujanaka. Uh, with Chiamy, Seattle, And it was one month and a half. I was a monk, and I came from West Virginia to, to, to do this retreat. I was doing well, but somewhere in the middle, it was a thick curtain of sloth and topper. I, I tried to say, where did it come from? I could not find. I was doing everything right. But here again, I was tormented, actually. It was really, it was tormenting, actually. I would just sit in there and just doze off. And again and again, and I saw peacock, you know, afar there. And then uh, it would wake me up actually seeing them crossing. But when they left, and again I was having this sloth and torpor. But I didn't know... Uh, I was wondering, what did I do wrong? But later on, I found out, it's nothing. I haven't done anything wrong. It's just a mental state. It's not, it's not, it's, it's something that also you can fix when you attend fourth level of enlightenment, sloth and topper. So in case you go to your teacher and say, please help me. I'm suffering from sloth and topa, Can you help me to stop it? Yes, we can give you some instruction, but you be patient, right? You can uh, overcome this when you attain the fourth level of enlightenment. Now, before that, be mindful. Try to see what are the spiritual faculties which are lacking. Sometimes some spiritual faculties and excess others are lacking. To give an example, faith and wisdom. Faith and wisdom, sometimes we have more faith than wisdom. Sometimes there's uh, more, uh, more, more wisdom and less faith. The good news, here's the good news. The whole program here is scheduled to actually uh, around these faculties, one of it is Dharma talk you are listening to the Dharma talk to incre- uh, to really understand to sort out your doubts going to mid- uh, interview hmm? you sort out your doubts actually that's the best way to sort out, sort out your doubts by asking questions about your practice so this is all building process. Uh, Of uh, this meditation retreat. Another one is uh, of course um, uh, restlessness and uh, sloth and torpor. Also that is already in a system where we tell you please balance your walking and sitting. Sometime in the middle of a retreat like this you gain concentration, a lot of concentration, and then you sit for the whole day. Have you sat for the whole day? (laughs) or you sit for five hours for four hours two hours, one hour it happens (laughs) yes, uh, I've seen this happening uh, in meditation center people sit for four hours and for me in Burma I saw it happening and I was cutting back on walking meditation you can do that for a while, three days, four days, five days but if you have another month to go sometime it reaches a stage whereby it's concentration is out of balance and uh, you lose it. <laughs> you become very uh, either sleepy if uh, you've been sitting for a long time, you build a lot of concentration and there's not enough energy. That's very common, especially where we are now, on a retreat. What's more going on actually is more of balancing between concentration and energy. In the beginning it's more of faith and wisdom but right now we are at a place where we need to balance energy and concentration. It doesn't mean that, f- of course, you don't need to balance faith and, and wisdom, but that also can come. But this is more prominent at this time. And what about mindfulness? Is there enough mindfulness or too much mindfulness? No, that one actually is what is helping us to balance all other excesses. Mm? and uh, sh- uh, shortages. So, so mindfulness, leave it alone. It's always necessary. You can't say, okay, Bante, you go to your teacher, Guy or Carol, you know, I had such excessive mindfulness. What can I do with it? <laughs> Sometimes, not all the time, we can detect that you have uh, excessive energy. And we tell you what to do with excessive energy. But with mindfulness, the more the better. Right? And it helps to balance other faculties. So now, uh, this is a, a serious talk, actually. Five, five of them. I hope we can go through all of them. So We start with faith. It, it controls the sphere of resolution, you make a strong resolve huh? uh either to to be with your practice huh? not to doubt having what you call indecision. you are not decided whether to watch your breath here or here, whether to practice metta or compassion so it's very very easy to have this kind of uh uh doubt. But what I found out, uh, when faith is lacking, doubt is just very near, actually. And usually, it's not about uh, the, f- the present moment. Uh, it's happening in, really, what's going to happen in the future, right? Will I, let's say, for instance, I ask myself, will I really get enlightened by observing the breath? Hmm? Will I attain final happiness Sometimes we can ask those questions. And then, in terms of the practice, we can be non-decided. That's a problem. What I found out, if you, you have doubt or indecisions, always come back to the present moment. In a present moment, there's no doubt. Do you believe it or not? <laughs> okay, let us try. Okay, try to doubt. <laughs> a little bit doubting. Okay? Try to doubt something. (laughs) Right? Just take a moment, right? Okay, come now, come to the body now. I would like you to feel the body touching the ground. Feel a little bit of sensation, maybe there. Access the sensation in the body, whether it's warmth or touching. Then, like to open your eyes. Okay, what is doubt? The sensation was there. You, you cannot doubt there's no sensation. It was in the present moment. Usually, doubt is a removal from the present moment. We were removed from what's happening. We are just in the future. Or oh, maybe at the end of the retreat, I will maybe not gain enlightenment. I won't be happy. I'll be more miserable. Or I'll be. Uh, do, will I really carry this benefit home so that people can see I've been here for six weeks we ask ourselves but now breathing is going on and we're not paying attention to breathing hmm? <laughs> so we doubt something really usually in the future normally hmm? we are removed from the present moment so next time we have doubt Come back to anything that is going on in a present moment. You will see. It's going to work. So we arouse faith by Uh, wise attention to the qualities of the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, and your practice. Uh, So, uh, when I was training uh, with a teacher called Sadhu Pandita, he would ask us to start our meditation with what we call Buddha Nusati, which means uh, reflecting along on qualities of the Buddha, and he said, okay, if you don't know the qualities of the Buddha, like purity and great compassion and wisdom, maybe reflect on the qualities of the Dhamma. Hmm? Visible here and now. The, the Dhamma is visible here and now. That's what I was telling you. Hmm? Try to come back to the body. What's going on in the present moment? There's no doubt. If The Dhamma is visible here and now. Reflection on the Sangha also. So, that can also be very helpful when you have uh, uh, doubts. So, that will help you to increase faith, to arouse faith. Energy, the second faculty, how to arouse it is to pay attention. wise attention to? Of course, the four kinds of efforts. James has already talked about wonderful talk on the four efforts. And... uh, Paying wise attention to there are three kind of efforts. One is initial effort, sustained effort, and then non-stop effort. Uh, I want to give you an analogy that help, helped me to understand uh, these three stages of effort. I, uh, the analogy I saw, uh, uh, it's about airplane. When airplane is parked in a parking lot, it's there. It cannot move. So what do they do? They get a tractor. Mm-hmm. And then start, they hook, they hook it on a tractor. And start pushing it away. So that's the initial effort. Those who have seen the airplane. <laughs> so <laughs> there's the initial effort provided by a tractor to move it. And navigate around the airport. And then that tractor usually goes Goes back and then it leaves the airplane alone with its own engines running on its own effort. So it starts, it starts sustaining this effort on a runway. That's the second stage of effort. And guess what? When it gains the momentum, takes off, that's called non-stop, non stop, non stop effort. That's what we do usually here, actually. We ask you even to use the mental note, What's happening is when there's sleepiness, when there's pain. Have the initial efforts. You need a little bit of help hmm? by init- uh, noting mentally. Not all the time, of course, you run crazy, but really, actually, have that initial effort. And then also we tell you to sustain your effort. Hmm? We tell you also that. Just be on a runway. And also we say, don't stop it. Just continue on. So these three stages of effort are very, very important to arouse this kind of faculty. And then awareness, mindfulness. Uh, The Pali word is very interesting. Upatana. Uh, we use it in our tradition when somebody is helping us. We we say, "Who's going to upataka, the monk?" That means, "Who's going to attain uh, to the monk or nun or like this?" We use, we still use this word. So it's mindfulness or attaining that faculty. It it uh, it kind of uh, controls that area of awareness and attention, and uh, of course the way to arouse it is any moment of mindfulness become a cause for another moment of mindfulness. And that's what Sally is talking about. Wonderful talks on the foundation of mindfulness, how to arouse this faculty. I don't have to talk about this. I think you've been hearing all these talks on the foundation of mindfulness and uh, she's still continuing to talk about this. Then, uh, the uh, the next one the, the fourth one is called concentration concentration again this is uh, another faculty uh one of the faculty which is uh controls the area of n- right? non destruction uh, right hmm? um, you are not scattered your mind is focused what we call uh one-pointedness a state of mind. Another, the fifth one is called wisdom. But we want to see what the Buddha had to say about these faculties. Today I decided to bring one discourse, uh, one is called the Connected Discourses, the Discourses of the Buddha. And I'm going to read directly here. And what bhikkhus is the faculty of faith? Here bhikkhus the noble disciple is a person of faith, one who places faith in enlightenment of the Buddha. And the discourse goes on with the qualities of the Buddha, like the blessed one is an arahant, uh, perfectly enlightened, accomplished in knowledge and, we, and conduct, fortunate, know of the world, and so on. I summarize those qualities by saying purity compassion, great compassion and wisdom, but there are so many qualities of the Buddha. We can talk about this for the entire year, many qualities of the Buddha. So now uh, the discourse continues, and what bhikkhus is the faculty of energy? Here bhikkhus, the noble disciple dwells with energy aroused for abandoning of unwholesome states of mind and acquisition of wholesome states of mind. His strong, firm, in exertion, non-shrinking, uh, the responsibility of cultivating um, wholesome states of mind. This is called the faculty of energy. And what because, is go- he goes on uh, to the third one, uh, and what because is the faculty of mindfulness? Here because a noble disciple is mindful, possessing supreme, supreme mindfulness and de- uh, di- discretion, one who remembers and recollects what was done and said long ago. Uh, this is called the faculty of mindfulness. And then the, the fourth one. And what because is the faculty of concentration? Here because uh, the noble disciple gains concentration, gains one-pointedness of mind, having made release the object. And that's, a, that's the fourth one concentration. And then the fifth one, what bhikkhus is the faculty of wisdom. Here, bhikkhus, the noble disciple's wise, he possesses wisdom directed to arising and passing away, which is noble and penetrative leading to the complete destruction of suffering. This is called the faculty of wisdom. So now you know what are they. You know now what are the five speech of faculties and their respective spheres. Now, if you have imbalances in your practice, don't worry. Don't take it personally. That's the first thing most people do when they have a problem with imbalances of their, in their speech of faculties. They think that, oh, it's happening to me. Everybody is having a good time except me. Don't take it personal. All people have this kind of imbalances in their spiritual faculties. And meditation is like a skill. Those who have uh, maybe learned how to bicycle, uh, you know this you know how you started learning how to bicycle? What was going on? A lot of imbalances. Sometimes you fall on this side. Sometimes you fall on this side. Especially me in Uganda, uh, when I was learning how to ride a bicycle, we didn't have small ones. Like here in the USA and Western countries, you have a small one for different size, different age. For us, always it has to be for the adult one. You learn bicycling using an adult bicycle. You see the imbalance already there? <laughs> you're such a small person, and you're using a big bicycle, and you cannot reach the saddle, even the bar, so you have to go... <laughs> I think there's what you on here. <laughs> I understand our situation. So you have to go inside there, some of you... <laughs> I wish there was a bicycle to demonstrate this <laughs> but I don't know how I would do it in my robes <laughs> you have to somehow as a kid fit in there in that triangle thing eh? and then the way you are going to handle then the bicycle is off already off point so then you start struggling with the balancing you try to always come back like this you go this way. So I fell many times. I fell so many times, try to balance, to gain a balance, while learning how to bicycle. And then, what is very important, once I got that balance, and I grew up, and then I could sit on a saddle, I even moved my hands like this. But also I had a problem. I fell down one time. <laughs> I was so excited to remove my hand from the, 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 uh, the, the, the what's it called, the handles. I was so uh, excited and removed my hand and lost my balance and fell down. And I had to learn again to balance. And then once I got the balance, I never fell down. I could actually ride a bicycle without having my hands on and then I could go... There's still subtle balances. That's what I'm saying, that even now maybe you are maybe getting all the spiritual faculties balanced, but still you, you cannot give up and say, okay, now I know I'm a pro. I'm not going to balance. Still there's going to be subtle balances in this practice, concentration and, and energy, wisdom and, uh, and uh, faith. So it's an ongoing process. So now... Uh, why most of us, I think, is, are facing maybe uh, restlessness, I think it's more, fi- we get so fixated on the goal and we forget the pro- process. The process. So it's very, very important always to have a beginner's mind and focus on the intention, the intention, focus uh, on, the, on the effort, Arouse effort and then let things evolve, eh? happen naturally. There's a very good simile, the simile of mother hen. What hens do, you know what hens do? They hatch eggs. hmm? In the process of hatching their eggs, it's amazing to watch them. They go and sit on eggs. And then they have intentions to sit on eggs. They don't tell me, but I see them. <laughs> they go and sit <laughs> on eggs. They arouse effort, keep on going again. They go a little bit away, just like meditators actually. <laughs> they go out of their eggs and get a little bit and walk. And then come back and sit on eggs. <laughs> <laughs> just like meditators coming and sit back on a cushion. And then they go out and they come again. You miss it. I watch the process. I say, wow, these things are amazing. They're clever. So they do that process until a certain amount of time. And guess what? When they they are ready, the eggs have enough warmth and temperature mm-hmm. and all that. The chicks. They are the one which break the 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 the, 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 the shell egg shell. I thought this. is What I thought that mother hen keeps on poking, poking, poking the eggs, the egg shell so that the chicks go out. No, that's not the case. But we are poking. Eh? <laughs> we keep on poking our practice. <laughs> we even use the tools we have. Eh? We ask the teacher how to poke it better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you don't go to your teacher and ask them how to overcome restlessness and and all this. But uh, wha- what I'm driving at here is actually your intentionality, your effort is very important, other than trying to go to the result, to the goal, and skipping your intention and the effort. That's the message. So meditate like chickens, basically. That's what I mean. <laughs> Hatching the eggs, you know, the practice will unfold naturally, you know, when you do your work. <laughs> you put in the effort, the intention, the mindfulness, and all that. Well, are we going to get on balancing? Hope so. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about. Okay, three ways. Another list for you. <laughs> but I made it up now. <laughs> I put together three things you need to do to balance. Of course, faith and uh, faith and wisdom, you can sort it out easily by going to the interview. The teachers, of course, have, have many years of practice. They can tell you how to rectify if uh, there's not enough faith in your practice. You can say, no, you'll do it yeah, just... Keep trying, keep trying, you know, again and again. This is amazing. When I was training as a monk in San Jose, m- I used to go to report to my teacher every the other day. He used to say, try hard. The next day, try hard. One month, he would say, try hard. Next, the third month, I said, what am I going to do? One time I wanted to ask him, uh, Sayado which is a title of a monk, senior monk. What am I doing? Do you think I'm not, I'm not trying hard? I wanted to go there and ask. But I, I think when I reflect back, he was trying to encourage me. right? Hmm? To encourage me. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Right? So that's what we usually do, to really to instill confidence in you. Hmm? Asking questions can help you to sort out your doubts. Now, three ways. The first one uh, to really balance your 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 speech of faculties. Uh, I found out in a discourse, very very important discourse, and I'm going to read it for you. It's the, the kind of mind uh, meditation you're doing doing can help you to balance speech of faculties. When you have maybe and a good sign that your spiritual faculties are not balanced is when you have restlessness. Then you know that you have excessive energy of of over concentration. And if you have maybe excessive concentration of of, over energy, then you are going to get sloth and torpor. That's a good sign. So when you get into those signs, you can say, okay, I think there's something that's not balanced here. Let me do something about this. So, this is a discourse that is so helpful for me. When I found it, I said, wow, there's this kind of meditation the Buddha talked about. It's called dr- dr- directed meditation and undirected meditation. So, here's what the Buddha said. I'm going to summarize it because there's not enough time. Here the Buddha say, Ananda, a bhikkhu dwells contemplating the body in the body and so on, as Sally said. But here, when he, this, where he the Buddha talks about while well, the meditators contemplating the body and body and so on, um, uh, body and body, there there arises uh, based on the body on the body either fever in the body or sluggishness of mind, or the, the mind is distracted outwardly. That bhikkhu should then direct the mind towards some inspiring sign. So, if let's say you have sloth and torpor, you have uh, restlessness, you can d- direct your mind to the qualities of the Buddha. You can direct your mind to meta loving kindness. And according to this discourse, uh, the Buddha said when you, you direct Uh, your mind towards an inspiring sign, gladness, the Pali word is pamoja, arises. There's a series of uh, mental states that arises after really uh, directing your mind to something inspiring. One is gladness. Mm? After gladness, there's pity, which is uh, uh, joy. Uh, 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 James talked about the talk about joy so when joy arises the body becomes tranquil one one one, one who has tranquility experiences happiness and the mind the mind of who is happy becomes concentrated you see so this is the way this is the way Now, on the other side, uh, the Buddha talks about also uh, what we call undirected kind of meditation. This is a quote I think also I should I should read it, uh, and how Ananda is the development without direction. In other words, undirected uh, meditation, not directing the mind outwardly. A bhikkhus understand my mind is not directed. Outwardly, then the big understands. It's uh, it's uh, it's the mind, and uh, it it is unconstricted. It is unconstructed uh, constricted after and before, liberated and undirected. So uh, here, actually, you you don't have to uh, direct your mind to inspiring uh, to any inspiring object. You just keep on practicing your uh, mindfulness of the body, in the body, uh, mindfulness of feeling, in the feelings, and so on. So you can gauge where you are in your practice. Hmm? Let's say you're sitting here, and then all the techniques you've learned about uh, mindfulness, they are not working. It's better maybe to reflect on qualities of the Buddha. For me, in a meditation hall, I would actually look at the Buddha statue, which is like a symbol of enlightenment, and I would see how peaceful it is. And for me, when I was going through restlessness, I would look at the Buddha statue and say, wow, that looks peaceful. Eh? So it was inspiring for me. So probably that's why you put the statue there. So it's like a symbol of peace. Many people used this, this symbol, like Mahatma Gandhi, I think, in a prison. Probably even Mandela, I don't know exactly. Thing you can tell us. But many people have used this, this uh, symbol of enlightenment to reflect outwardly. Oh, this is the possibility of attaining the highest uh, achievement, which is enlightenment for humanity, for human beings. So this is very helpful. That's the first thing you can do, which is called directed uh, or undirected form of meditation. Uh, I think that's very clear. The second one also is very very important. It's called active or receptive mindfulness. So Sally has talked about mindfulness and all of us here, but within mindfulness itself there is what we call active form of mindfulness and also non-active form of mindfulness. One of my teachers, called Bante Gunaratana in West Virginia, he uses a a very interesting word for mindfulness. He says, pay mindfulness attention, pay mindfulness effort to understand. So he's using now three words. Of course, the Buddha already used it. Not so much in a sentence like that, but combines all mindfulness, effort, and understanding. So, in this case, this is an active form of mindfulness, and you can apply this kind of mindfulness whenever there is an unwholesome state of mind. When there is loss and tupper, your mindfulness should be an active form of mindfulness hmm? to allow energy. To overcome uh, 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 this uh, problem of imbalance, so the the Buddha supported it here in a discourse actually, and he gave a simile, which is very interesting. He said, "Just as the last month of the rainy season, in the autumn, when the crops thicken, a cow keeper would guard his cows by constantly tapping." And poking them on this side and on this um, and uh, on this side, and that with a stick to check and curb them. Why is that? Because he sees that he could be flogged, imprisoned, fined, or blamed if he let them stray into the crops. So too I saw unwholesome states. Hmm? Uh, uh, danger, gra- degradation, and defilement, and in some states, I saw, uh, in some so- states I saw the blessing of renunciation and the aspect of cleansing. So it seems this discourse is talking about this. Imagine uh, these cows are going in a the farm; they have crops. So, the cow keeper has to keep on jabbing them eh? so that they don't eat the crops. So, the same thing when there's uh, um, unwholesome states of mind, let's say there's doubt, sloth and torpor, uh, restlessness and worry, which really shows that there's an imbalance. So, the kind of, the form of mindfulness we use is very, very important. It's very, very important. Is it receptive mindfulness or is it more active form of mindfulness? So, the active form of mindfulness is keep on jabbing. Like this. Huh? To make sure that you are the cows don't eat the crops. Huh? You're active. Huh? We are going to try that in case you're not sure what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, but he gave another simile in the discourse uh, which is called the Two Thoughts. It's in That's where I'm reading. When the ho- wholesome states, the Buddha seemed to have given a different simile. He, like, he said like this. Just as in the last month of the hot season, when all the crops have been brought inside the village, a cowkeeper uh, would guard his cows while staying in the on, at the root of the tree or out in the open, since he knows only no he said since he needs only to be mindful that the cows are there are there. So too there was a, there was a need there was a, there was a need for me only to be mindful that those states are there. So now. At some stage in your practice, sometimes there's faith, there's energy, sometimes there's uh, uh, calmness. If we start poking, eh? poking that calmness, eh? sometimes people meditate and start cruising and put a cruise button. Is that familiar to you? You put a cruise button, but everything is going on very well and all that. You say, oh, Sally said like this. Guy said like this. Bante says like this. I should go back to the instruction. And then what we are doing is disrupting eh? disrupting our meditation because we are starting to poke. Instead of settle back and just watch Hmm, faith is arising. Hmm, Joy is arising. Hmm, Concentration is arising. So this is what we call more receptive, not so active, hmm? as opposed to the active mindfulness. So, the, the form of mindfulness you use also is very important. Is it receptive or uh, energetic or active form of mindfulness? That can help you to balance. So, back off a little bit. Hmm? Let us try that one. We have some few minutes, two minutes. Okay, sit back, relax. I'm going to guide you into what you call active form of mindfulness. Okay, suppose you have restlessness. Hmm? Just not. You see how I invite you in active form of mindfulness? Not restlessness, restlessness, restlessness. Don't use this voice. I'm talking about how we actually approach our meditation. eh? If you are laughing, be aware of laughing. Smiling. Okay, now. See if you can be aware of what's behind restlessness. Is it thinking? Just not it. Think, thinking, thinking, thinking. Okay. Then come to the body. Be mindful of the body sitting here. Then feel how the, the body touching the ground. So then be aware of the sensations involved. So that's one form of what you call active form of mindfulness. You're on top of things. eh? Jabbing, 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 jabbing. Hmm? Uh, Try to guard everything. So now we are going to start receptive form of mindfulness. Let's say you have restlessness. This is the second form of mindfulness. Okay, now you have restlessness. You are breathing in and breathing out. See if you can receive that breath without much energy, without efforting, just mindfulness and understanding. And then drop being mindful of the breath completely. Maybe you can start with a half breath, then a quarter, then zero, and just stay there. Just watch whatever comes. There's no effort. There is some effort, of course, but it's not active form of effort, where you need to keep on jabbing. And then just be aware where there's there's joy, whether there's faith, whether there's wisdom. Okay, that's enough. So now you know the difference between active form of mindfulness and receptive mindfulness, where you're receiving it. You're on a receiving end, basically. You are just knowing there's faith, there's energy. As opposed to come back to the breath. Do this, do this, do this. Yes, we need this kind of mindfulness, especially in unwholesome states of mind. All, all the time, but sometimes poking too much arouses a lot of energy, and then we, we lose the balance. Like for me, on a bicycle, put so much energy, fall on the side. So, really, it's about balancing. It's about balancing. Hmm? Seesaw. Do you have seesaw in America? See-saw? Yes, I loved that when I was a child. Da da. And then there was that balance. <laughs> so it's a balance. Be aware of the see-saw, you know, until you gain some balance. Like this. Oh, we have five minutes. The third way to balance is about postures. Your posture. You, you, you are, we gave you four postures, sitting, walking, lying down, and what? Stunning? You know that. But By the way, meditation takes place beyond those four postures, but the four standard postures are very good to balance. Let's say when you have uh, a lot of restlessness. Sometime, not all the time, it might be good maybe to go in your room and lie down. Not during the schedule, but maybe after lunch and lie down, and that helps to cut off excessive energy. You go and meditate in a lying down posture. Sitting posture is also very good when some time, but it doesn't work all the time. It depends. As I say, it's good to, to balance. When you have sloth and topper, a lot of it, like the one I experienced in 2003, I told you it was too much, then... Maybe it's better you meditate when standing. Maybe it's better you do longer walks, do walking meditation. That will help with sloth and topper, which show that definitely there's an imbalance of your faculties. Maybe there's excess concentration and there's not enough effort and energy to contain it. That can work. Does that make sense? Changing posture is not about so much of physical energy, uh, but it's movement, uh mental. Don't just think that, okay, when I'm doing walking meditation, or oh, let's say sitting, and it doesn't mean that when you're going to do sitting meditation, uh, that's only when you're going to cultivate concentration, and, and that's when you're going to have uh, excess concentration of energy. over energy. And then you say, no, 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 I don't want to have that. I'm I'm just going to actually do standing meditation. Please don't do those kind of things. Eh? It's more of what's your mind state going on. So watch more on a mind level rather than a physical level. But having said that, physical postures can help you when you have a lot of sloth and topper Um, you might want to stand, hmm? and then arouse energy, increase energy, hmm? and then that can help, and then go back to sit. Friends, I talked about three ways of uh, balancing these uh, faculties. One was about the, the kind of meditation, whether it's directed or undirected meditation, and the second one, with the form of mindfulness, is it active form of mindfulness or uh, receptive mindfulness kind of mindfulness? And the third is about adjusting your posture. And then I think I should give you the fourth, be creative. I think the fourth one, be creative. Because there's many ways to put your creativity. For me, it was... One time going to the forest there and fed the birds and felt more energy and more joy and I came back and sat through my pain. So um, I, don't want, I don't want you to fix it. Oh, Bandit talked about three ways. No, there are so many ways and less time. There's not enough time. I can only talk about three ways in given time. So more is coming. Sharpening the speech of faculties. Stay, stay tuned. Let us, let us sit for a moment or two. Let us sit together for a moment or two. Be aware of the sound. See if you can also practice receptivity. Just receiving sound without much effort or even an active form of mindfulness, whereby, oh, hearing, hearing, hearing. So play with it. Be playful with these things, eh? but more mindful. I'm not saying keep keep on praying around, playing around. No, no, I say mindful eh? and effortful and kindful. Use all those tools that you have. Okay, thank you very much for listening. I offer this for your reflection. Thank you very much for your attention, and your sadhu. (laughs) Sadhu means excellent. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.